This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. Now, as always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along and it's Sunday night, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. A massive thank you to our TSP patrons. We couldn't do any of this podcasting without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thank you also to our sponsor for this week, NordVPN. NordVPN is great if you're looking to add extra layers of security to what you're doing online. You can protect yourself and your information whilst using public Wi-Fi on any device, and you can also use it to access streaming sites around the world. You can grab your exclusive deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash Total Saints to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free as well with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can find the link in the show notes for the podcast and in the YouTube description. Now, coming up on the pod this week, getting anything at Anfield was always going to be a tall order for the new manager in his first game. And so it proved, were discussed what happened. Saints also progressed in the League Cup in midweek with a, well, should we say less than convincing win over Sheffield Wednesday. We're going to look back at that game and we'll have a little look ahead to what needs to be done during the World Cup break. My name's Martin Stark and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda LaCour, the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell, who's the Southampton. Reporter for The Athletic, underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode 214 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC, from dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Nathan Jones's first game in charge ends with a 3-1 defeat at Anfield. Uh, Glenn, what can we take from the new manager's first game? What were the positives? I think most people would say that it was a better performance than we probably would have got under the previous manager. We had a goal threat, which which was nice. And in the main, we seemed to, you know quite positive. We tried to play on the front foot most of the time. I think overall, 
it's a fairly decent performance. We obviously haven't got beaten by uh, an embarrassing scoreline, which is uh, which is always the first thing you look for. Um, you know, I, and I, I like the second. I like the second half. I like the fact that we had all the sort of like main chances of of the second half and and forced their goalkeeper to do some work because we just haven't been doing enough of that throughout the season. You could argue that Liverpool were slightly off the gas in the second half because of all their players going to the World Cup and all that sort of stuff. And they basically won the game by half time. But we there have been games where, you know, we've had a, a set of circumstances where we could have gone for it this season and we just haven't done so. So uh, so I was I was encouraged by that. You know, we let in poor goals, which ultimately killed any chance of um of getting something out of the game. But you know, I was I was just quite impressed the way we we played even when um when three one down. But the uh, the, the the key part of the game for me was after we got back to one one there seemed there seemed a bit of lack of belief in the rest of the first half and that that was when we seemed to step off a little bit and I think that's what um, Nathan Jones was probably alluding to saying that we didn't sort of like stay in their face the whole game but uh, overall I'm kind of quite happy that that one's ticked off and then we'll, we'll have the break and uh, and hopefully things will um will will start better when we get back. It was a, an entertaining first 10, 15 minutes, Steve, that's for sure. Yeah, it was all action and um, kind of mirrored, was it, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before where we, where we also went up there and we should have scored inside about 20 seconds and then within a minute we were still 1-0 down. And it kind of, yeah, it kind of felt like a, just a really open game where neither side was particularly interested in defending too much. I mean, it's noticeable um, that we were able to get a lot more crosses into the box than than we've done in in previous games, but I mean I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that was that was altogether sort of a change of change of attitude or a change of system from our point of view. I think it was more just that Liverpool's fullbacks were in the, in the same way as our fullbacks absolutely don't close the ball down enough in wide areas. Liverpool's fullbacks were quite happy for us to sling sling the ball into the box as well. I mean obviously Adams got. Got the that early equaliser with a um, from the from the set piece, just run, running across in front of the keeper, getting there, getting there before Allison got there, and Allison again had to make a had to make a really good um, good save from from Adams again in the second half. So there were we created created plenty of chances thanks to yeah. I mean Liverpool's defending is I mean clearly their their defence isn't what it was even a year ago really, um, but certainly nowhere near what that imperious defence was when they won the title. And um, so, yeah, we, we caused them plenty of problems. I mean, I think, to be honest, both keepers were were their side's best players. It could easily have finished 6-1. It could easily have finished 3 all, but for either better finishing or or not so good goalkeeping. So, yeah, I think I think it's one of those games you take, you take, take the sort of minimal positives that you get out of basically not being thrashed, take the sort of minor goal difference, sort of win, if you like, and, um, and move on, I think. At the end of the day, our, our season isn't isn't ever going to be judged by um, by our record at Anfield. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get get out of there alive, and um, and now you've got four or five weeks to um, put put a plan of action in. Um, the, only, the only problem is that I mean the only two players we've got going away are basically our two centre backs. Um, so creating a defensive system is going to be a little bit of a struggle, I feel, um, unless. Uh, that Lincoln, that Lincoln game, and even the Brighton game is going to be um, uh, Coletta Sarr and uh, Lianco as the as the uh, defensive two, which 
Kind of seems unlikely. I would unlikely, imagine. yeah, yeah. Unless they have a hell of a six weeks. Mm. Um, Jacob, we'll get on to your day yesterday a bit later. Anyone that follows you on social media will know it was um, it, w- it was a long one. Should we say? <laughs> um, just focusing on the game, what were the the main differences for you with the, the new manager uh, in place? Could you see what he was trying to implement, or was it more of a, a, a watching brief? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by how brave he was, actually, because I did expect them just to come perhaps sit in like a mid to low block, Southampton, and then just go route one. And from early on, I saw a team that were a lot more on the front foot and they felt like they actually were playing to a plan. And if and they were naive at times in that first half. So it was exactly basically like a Ralph Haas little performance in a way in terms of being brave, but then still having those vulnerabilities at the back. And I know Steve talked about not having Bella, Cocho and Salisi, but I think that could be a blessing disguise during the World Cup break because as Nathan Jones alluded to afterwards, he felt the first half was quite passive. And from what we've seen this year, that's probably the most aggressive Samson have been. So it just speaks volumes of how, you know, passive they've been throughout the, the season the reason why I think it's a blessing in disguise is because Salamson kept getting cut through um, on the counter on, on transition all the time because they weren't putting enough pressure on the ball from Liverpool's defence which meant they could play out from the back quite easily uh, so I didn't think it was as much centre-back problem because they're obviously told by Nathan Jones to stay quite high to stay aggressive on the front foot but it was just so easy to play out from Salamson's press they tried to press but they weren't aggressive enough so that alludes to Nathan Jones's comment about being passive so I think if they can get to work in a six-week break just to work on those pressing systems to work on just being more aggressive more front foot punching you know above above their weight which Jones repeated a number of times already I'm you know really looking forward to seeing and and encouraged by what Jones has done um, because I thought he would come in and just sit back and go direct when actually he was a lot more expansive so overall it's a really good learning lesson for him and I think there's plenty more to, to come. It's those defensive frailties again, isn't it, Glenn, that he's going to have to work on? That's what cost us yesterday. We kept getting caught a little high. Uh, I don't think as as fans we really learn anything other than he's going to have his work cut out with, with the, the, the young, inexperienced squad of players that he's got to work with. I um, I thought he made one mistake, and that was not playing Maitland-Niles at right back from the start because most of the problems we had seemed to go down that wing where... You know, Elianusi, not my favourite player, but he's being asked to do a role he's he's not familiar with. And the, the amount of times that, you know, he's playing against Robertson, who, despite being incredibly irritating, is a very good player <laughs> down that wing. And, you know, you have to uh, you have to be on your game to to stop him. There was one down that side that um, resulted in, a you know, a low cross and a great save from Bazunu. And the third goal came that, down that side where they just totally dozed off and allowed... You know, a simple sort of straight pass through the through the line. So, so I thought duff, duff offside it, track for that you know, one as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Salisu was was about three yards behind, wasn't he? But uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was poor defending in general. I mean the the free kick that led to the first goal. Salah bought that because he he knocked the ball one side and then he knew he wasn't going to get it, so he jumped into uh, Kalatajar and um, and got the got the free kick. But the it's decent movement from Firmino, but two of our players are just watching him, and uh, so that was a. Is Firmino even to trying see. to score that? I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. convinced that's think, a shot. Just trying to get a touch. Man, I think. Yeah, he's trying to flick it on for some running in, isn't he? And uh, I, I don't know. Bazunu seemed to be on the wrong mm-hmm. foot as well. Um, I, I think he might. He might look at that one and think he should maybe have done better. Second goal was we had a chance to clear that. You know, we had. I think we had two chances to clear it. Didn't get a foot to it and clear it. 
and then Elliot crossed it in and, and good finish by um, Darwin, wasn't it? Darwin Nunes. And the third goal I've already done, which was the the, the poor poor concentration on the right hand side. So yeah, there was I mean there was a couple of other chances, wasn't there, when um Bella Kochap let the ball roll under his foot and he, I would think he was pretty fortunate to get away with um hauling down Salah in the second half. Salah threw himself again. Um, but it was probably a foul, but the fact that he, you know, the arms went in the air as usual probably meant that he didn't get it. So, uh, yeah, lots, lots of work to do defensively. But uh, if the, you know, the midfield and the attack, as Jacob said, if they don't do their job in, in closing down, then the uh, defence is going to come under a lot of pressure. And and any defence, any defence cracks. And that's and that's Steve's point about what's happening with Liverpool at the moment is that they they are letting in goals because, you know, they're allowing... They're allowing crosses into the box, and uh, and they're allowing teams to play through them as well. And and that's what that's what we did in the second half. I mean, the, you know, playing one twos around the edge of the box and finding ourselves sort of clean through on the goalkeeper that doesn't normally happen up there. So uh, so yeah, you it's a it's a team responsibility to defend, and that's that's what I'm sure Nathan Jones will be working on in the in the five six weeks, wherever it is. We were creating the chances, so Steve yesterday. I think the XG was was half decent, and it's been a big week for for Shea Adams getting a, a run on Van Dyke was, was quite nice and a decent header for the goal. It sounds like he's going to be quite key to the new manager's plans. He was talking quite enthusiastically about him yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he is. For all his limitations, he's still our top scorer in the last, what, 18 months, two years or so. Um, so ultimately, you've still got to build, you've still got to focus your team and your and your sort of attacking ambition around your best, your best players. I mean, we all know that, I think we've all got an idea of how many goals we expect someone like Shea Adams should be able to score in the Premier League. And it's a case of being able to fit a system around him that gives him enough opportunities that he will score that many goals or more, and that comes down to that comes down to sort of playing as a unit. There's, it's uh, I mean, the last, last few games we created loads of chances, we just missed them. Um, I mean, you, you look at you look at the XG for the Newcastle game. I mean, we've been beaten four one. Their XG was about one point four, something ridiculous. And ours was ours was about one point eight, I think. So we we created so much more than they did, but we just missed missed everything. Same against Palace. Um, same against teams like Everton earlier in the season, Wolves, and it's just just been finishing that has that has been been our big big letdown, and then switching off at, at the other end. So if you can if you can improve both of those facets of the game by a fraction, all of a sudden, I mean, you look at how tight the bottom half of the Premier League is; it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like literally, like what a win would take us twelfth, I think. Still, um, it's insane at the moment how. Um, how tight the league is and so and we've been on the wrong basically we've been on the wrong end of a load of really tight differential games this season and we've just got to find that little extra that little one percent um that's going to make that's going to make the difference and to be honest I think that's what they're that's what they're looking at with the change of manager is that he can just eke out something a little bit different maybe the messaging from Ralph had gone a little bit stale if you're repeating this repeating the same messaging and it's and it wears off after a while new manager even if he comes in and basically says the same thing just in just in a welsh accent <laughs> <laughs> it, but it but it just feels different and it's and yeah. you've then got um all of a sudden I mean, adams now presumably um now with a little bit more confidence going into the going into this break also now has a month to work out sleep patterns as a new dad <laughs> and yeah, I mean, we we then looked at that Lincoln game as a, as I said last week. That was a it was a 
it's a great opportunity to use that Lincoln game now. I mean, that I don't think that draw could have gone any better for us. And it's opening up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, potentially. I mean, you got City against Liverpool. Um, I mean, all the other big clubs avoid each other, but um, yeah, get get through that, and and who knows? And we can we can use it as a as a good sort of testing ground ahead of that uh, ahead of that Brighton game um, when we restart. Mm. And Jacob, great to see um, Lavia start for the first time since yeah. August yesterday. Him and War Prowse, I think Prowse seemed to have a better game, maybe. Yeah. Um, but but Lavia seemed to just add that bit of extra composure, perhaps that's been missing. He's phenomenal, isn't he? Uh, I've kind of forgot just how ex- just how experienced he does look. I know he's only eighteen, but he just looks so calm and composed. Uh, he had a little ten-minute spell in, his, in the first half where he looks a little bit ragged, and I, I, I could hear Nathan Jones just tell him, geeing him up a little bit. But in terms of how he manages to pick the ball up against three of mid- Liverpool's midfield, who are you know pretty established players, and just dictated it, I think there was you know twenty minutes towards the end where he was just passing through them time and time again, and he keeps the ball so well. He just sits there, and some of the things you see, you know, you, you can't actually see some of the important things. You know, he allows Will Prowse, like you touched on Martin, to get forward. He like allows Stuart Armstrong, who I thought was quite good in that first half and that left side of number eight role, to get forward and sometimes lose the ball because he has someone like Lavia who can cover that those spaces either side of him. So just having that player Lavia back is you know it's gonna be so so important and it's really important I think Jones said it afterwards as well that they don't you know over overdo him because you saw that he's still feeling it. He did so many recovery runs towards the end and you just saw that there was going to be cramp coming up shortly. So it's important that Slamton don't rest too much on him, which I think Harsin was guilty of doing you know after three or four games practically. Mm. So he's just they've just got to manage him well but with Lavia, Southampton are completely different sides. So much better in possession, looks so much more polished, organised, and Lamad Field suddenly has a little bit of shape. Because if you see some of the games that Southampton have played, you know, West Ham second half, they're all over the place. And it's caused them basically to sink into their shells. You saw that in the second half against West Ham and Bournemouth. But if you have Lavia, someone who could just, you know, basically take away any pressure, can keep the ball, and it's going to be so, so important in those in those crunch moments. Um, so hopefully he can just kick on from here. And it's a shame that he didn't get into the Belgium squad because I, uh, I thought he would. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It, it, we were, I was going to get onto the World Cup squads a little later, Glenn, but do you think, in a way, Prouncey not going means that it's, it's got to be better for us, isn't it? That he can stay and he can work with Lavia and the pair of Absolutely. them will get, get six weeks yeah. together and, and get a few friendly games and whatever they've got planned? Yeah, it certainly doesn't do us any harm as a team. You know, in terms of this season, what it, what it means longer term when... Will Prowse is assessing his career options, you know, not getting in the England squad again um, is another story altogether. But as far as this five weeks 
and trying to get ready for the rest of this season is concerned, I think it's uh, it's definitely a good thing that he's not going. And you know that he's the sort of guy that's he's not going to sulk. I think it's already been addressed already by um, by Nathan Jones. He's mm. he's just going to get his head down and get on with it. And um, I I like like Jacob said there. I liked the the look of the midfield actually having three players in there. Yeah, because I think that the two player thing that Ralph seemed to favour was was just wearing a bit thin. We just seemed to be getting, you know, smashed all over the place virtually every time we tried it. So if Jones can establish a sort of two behind and one in front type of midfield three, then uh, I think that would be a positive going forward. And I think that's kind of the the blueprint he used at, at Luton. It was sort of like two holding midfielders and one number 10. So, so yeah, all good. So yeah, Warprow's not going. In answer to the question, I think, Certainly, in the short term, in, is, in is terms good. of this season, it's a good thing. But yeah. whether he uh, whether he decides at the end of the season that um, you know he needs he needs to make a move as a result of it, then you know that's another thing. Yeah, Steve, I know you went on the the little bonus pod during the week about the the new manager. Obviously, it's been confirmed. He's had his first game. Um, he's done his his interviews. Um, what are your your thoughts on the the appointment and and have the interviews done enough to to convince you and win you over, or is it a case of waiting and see what happens with that that run of games after the World Cup? Yeah, I think it's wait and see. Um, I must admit, it's fairly underwhelmed um, initial reaction. It was like, really because um, there's there's just Nathan who? Yeah. Well no, I mean I obviously knew knew who he was, but it you you look at his the body of work at at Luton, he's obviously achieved great things with with that with a club of that size to have to have got them as an established sort of upper half championship side, given where they were when he first took over. But the one time he decided to uh, get out of his comfort zone there and go to Stoke, it was an absolute disaster. Now, whether that's just a case of that's, it's just one of those jobs where anybody who took that Stoke job at that time was was de- was basically doomed to fail because of the circumstances at the club. They had a load of over- overpaid wasters who'd gotten relegated and had no interest in putting a shift in. And as a result, it was just a case of, well, whoever takes this job is is screwed, basically. And sim- similar way to like Mo- when Moyes had the Man United job, everyone knew that was going to be an absolute disaster for the, for, for that first season. Obviously, it then turned out to be a disaster for everyone else for, for the next 10 years as well, which has been hilarious. But but yeah, I think I think with Jones, it was just, it was more that you look at the way both his Luton and Stoke sides have played. And I mean, I get that it's, you you kind of make the most of what you've got available to you, but given the amount of time he'd been at Luton, if he wanted to evolve into a more sort of aesthetically pleasing, shall we say, style of football, then he would have had, he had, he had time to do that. And I mean, Luton were high energy, but it was very sort of up and at him, which I mean, works for a, for a small club playing the underdog card in, in the championship. I'm not sure it really works for a side in the Premier League. Um, to be honest, but we'll we'll see. I mean, it it may well be, as I say, it may well be that he's just pragmatic based on what he's got available. Um, because let's be honest, that style of football ain't going to work with the players we've got. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. So um, yeah, he's he's got to find find a find a system that works with with what he's got available. Um, which I kind of think probably won't be an awful lot different to what we've seen this season already. But hopefully, with um, with uh, slightly more positive outcomes. Okay. Um, Glenn took one for the team and went to see the Sheffield Wednesday game. So I'm going to come to you to 
relive that in all its glory in just a minute. Yeah. Then. But but Jacob, I just want to touch on your. We mentioned it earlier your journey yesterday and and the piece that you've got coming out on on Monday. You it, you, you properly put in the miles yesterday. <laughs> to be fair, I am um, looking back and I I quite enjoyed you know weird sort of way. So I woke up at half five, got to the stop, which was I think it was the second stop on the coach journey. So it, it picked us up at about six fifteen, and it took about an hour and a half to get out of Hampshire because of all the other stops. So that wasn't ideal, but it was fine. Went to Cheveley, met a nice man named Chris, and we just natted for the next five and a half, six hours from the coach. Um, <laughs> got to Liverpool. I had to walk around Anfield three times to try and find where the, where the hell the accreditation point was. No one seemed to know or seemed to really want to help. And everybody else was just going to the pub, I guess. Yeah, and, everyone you, you were, to, yeah, and I had to try and find the accreditation. And then got in, watched the game, really enjoyed the game, and then had to come straight back out because the coach was leaving in 15 minutes. Um, and for a coach that actually was leaving 15 minutes and trying to get through uh, swathes of Liverpool fans coming in the opposite direction was pretty difficult. Uh, but I think it makes for a quite a good piece. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what people think about it tomorrow, um, Monday morning. Um, I was trying but, to think, um, yeah. the last time I did the, the, the Travel Club, is it still called the Travel Club? That was the last... I think it was... Way Travel or something, yeah. I think it would have been Highbury um, when Dennis Burkamp <laughs> scored was the last time. And, and I know that you, it's been a while for you as well, Glenn. West Ham, 1991, when it took about five <laughs> hours to drive from the Dell to Upton Park. And I vowed never again at that point. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to reading the piece um, when it's out, Jacob. Now, I mentioned about the uh, the game on uh, Wednesday night in the, the League Cup through to the next round. But my word, that was... Um, if there was any talk of the, the squad trying to impress the new manager who was sitting in the stands, Glenn, he, they, they certainly didn't. No. Well, some did. Some did okay, and and some were downright awful. Uh, and the overall, the overall thing about the game is 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 that if Sheffield Wednesday hadn't given away that brain dead penalty, because anyone who is in the Premier League knows that if Musa Gineppo does his step over things, you don't bother tackling him; you just Leave let him, him tackle himself and fall <laughs> over. Um, and the guy stuck his foot in, overwent Gineppo, and we got a totally undeserved, you know, one all score line at half time. If they hadn't given away that penalty. I don't think we'd have scored and we'd have ended up losing 1-0. Bottom line is we needed seven penalties to beat a League One side. We didn't really do much from open play. I remember two chances that Theo Walcott missed where the goalkeeper gave, just gave him the ball, basically, on the edge of the box. So we didn't create anything for that. And there was a free kick that Warprouse rolled to Stuart Armstrong and he hit it well and it hit the bar. So we were, we were a little bit unfortunate there. Second half, we were the better side and, and we did improve. Obviously, some words were spoken at halftime. And... Um, and the penalties were amazingly good. We, we all, you know, every everyone. I don't think the goalie went the right way once. McCarthy went the right way a couple of times. He got a good hand to the first one that went in. And when you see the the big centre back coming up to take number six, you you kind of or number seven, you kind of know that this is this is where they're going to miss. So um, so I wasn't surprised that the uh, the player it was I offer wasn't surprised that he was the one that missed. Just having having seen him walk up, but. Uh, Bottom line is none of it matters. We're through to the next round. We got Lincoln just before Christmas, which would be nice. So, um, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the best game. And if uh, I mean Nathan Jones was in the was in the in the stand, I was I was disappointed by the lack of effort or, or perceived effort by by some players to impress the the, the forward line was you know Sekou Mara, Adam Armstrong, Joe Rebo, dreadful. 
Mm. Just really, really bad. And and the, the lack of movement, which I've talked about before, was was absolutely chronic in the first half. They got Sheffield Wednesday are a big physical side and they got they got bullied as well, especially Armstrong and Mara just got knocked over all the time. There was no strength there and um, and Joe Arebo looked like he was playing in moon boots. He just it just didn't move. It was just I know he's very languid in in, in style, but that, that only that only covers so you know, that only gets away with so much. I just thought it was disappointing from the forwards, and and that's that's why we struggled. And you know, comes back to Steve's point earlier on. Shay Adams is the is the best striker we've got mm. by a long, long way, and uh, despite all his flaws. So, but anyway, we won the game. We're through to the next round. Happy I did days. find it funny when they were doing the penalties, and they're all on the halfway line, like you have to, or in the centre circle, and they're all holding on to each other, and they're all cheering like it was the semi final of the Euros. Yeah, not like yeah, we just beating the league one. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, Jacob, a couple of people mentioned Ruben Sellers-Stewart says, uh, with Chris Cohen coming in as set-piece specialist, has there been any talk about what Ruben Sellers' role might be? That was a big night for him, wasn't it? He got to do the press conference before. He got to do, obviously, the the, the team talks. They had that little huddle on the pitch afterwards. Yeah. And he and he, he just impressed uh, whenever he was in front of the media. And um, from the, the team were definitely playing for him. Yeah, I think Alan Sheehan's going to be the one doing the set pieces. Chris Cohen will be the assistant um, manager. Ruben Sellers, I was so, so impressed with him after after the game. Uh, I think it was a real good opportunity for him to basically introduce himself because as an assistant coach or first team coach, he hasn't always got the opportunity to speak to the media or speak to the media and to, through the prism of the media to the fans. Um, so I thought, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really clear. And I know it was a stodgy game. It was pretty difficult, but it just felt fairly uplifting towards the end. That's how I took it anyway. I just felt like, after such a few, you know, hard couple of months with the tension, with just everything, just feeling in the balance the whole time, just have that win, that little bit of a celebration, that little trundle to Alex McCarthy congratulating him just on saving that penalty, and Sellers, you know, getting the team in the, that group, and then afterwards he just he just installed so much confidence in that t- in that team. He dismissed any notion of getting relegated. He's got such big belief in these players and you can see why the players really, really like him. In terms of how his role will change, I think he will still be a real vocal presence in on the training ground. Like I say, in pre-season, he led most of the sessions and that was that was concerted plan by Sport Republic to take the bur- burden off Harsinton, who they thought was just basically the only voice and they needed a bit of a freshen up. Issue was when the competitive fixtures came in, Ralph then came back in. So I think Nathan Jones likes to share it around a little bit more. So having five, look at the addition of Carl Martin, five dynamic coaches who can all coach really, really well on the grass, it's only going to be a positive. Um, Celis's strengths lie in in shape and structure defensively so he'll take the defense in that side of the game and then Chris Cohen, Sheehan, Jones himself, Carl Martin can focus on other aspects so hopefully over the next four or five weeks they can really understand that and build that relationship together. I was going to talk about the first half of the season and kind of like do a review but it feels like the club have already done that and they, they've done the review and they said it's not good enough they pulled the trigger they've got the new manager in uh, he had maybe two games to to look at the squad uh, and he knows what he's got to do and as, as Jacob says there the new coaches that are coming in that are just everywhere you look at it this this World Cup break is an absolute blessing in disguise for me and Steve I just want to touch on what we're going to look for what he needs to be working on what the priorities are is it going to be obviously can't bring anybody in yet but is it going to be more about his 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 culture and his vision and just getting that in instilled it it all seems that it it all seems quite positive at the moment it's it's that that pre-season enthusiasm that we all have yeah i mean it'll it'll be interesting to see what um what they do in terms of sort of friendlies and 
uh, training camps and stuff. I think they're going they're to Spain. a week off first, going, aren't they? Going, going to Spain, I think, is the plan from from what I, from what I gather. But yeah, it'd be like warm warm winter warm winter training, bit of bit of a social thing to make sure that everybody's sort of spirits are high going into the. Because uh, I mean, let's be honest, that that run of games at the start, once we get restarted, is going to be a grind because there's a game, basically two or three games a week. It's going to be tiring for the players. You're going to have to be sort of using the squad as as best as you can. I mean, we know that we don't have a massive squad in terms of first team ready players. So you're probably going to have, there might even be a little bit of prioritizing in terms of which fixtures you're targeting for, um, for sort of going all out. But I think, yeah, I think it'll be, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced Nathan, Nathan Jones will change an awful lot. Um, as I said, system wise, I think, because even though you've got a month, you're missing two of your key components of that. Uh, for the whole period, uh, well, for at least two or three weeks, anyway, because not sure how um, how well Ghana and uh, and Germany will fare. But you need to be able to start working on on the defensive unit because that's that's been that's been a problem for basically three or four years, more or less since well, I mean since Mark Hughes was was manager, I guess, really, because I think defensively we were we were fine under Puel and then okay under uh, Pellegrino, and it just kind of fell apart under Hughes in the end. So I think that's that's a, that's got to be a key focus. I think we're creating as as I said earlier I think we're creating enough chances again against good sides as well a lot of the time. We just need to be more clinical. Whether that's something you can get better at get better at in training when you've already played at this level for a while I don't know. I think that's that's kind of one of those sort of unanswered um intangibles isn't it that you either improve what you've got or you buy better. Problem is that the World Cup being where being when it is, you're going to have a lot of players possibly possibly on the market in January for hugely inflated fees. So while we were, by the sounds of it, willing to shell out the best part of 30 million in the summer just gone, um, that 30 million in January isn't going to go anywhere near as far. So got to be very, very smart on on any transfer business that we look at. But we'll wait and see. I mean, we've 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 kind of heaped praise on on the owners to a certain extent over the summer in in their willingness to put money in and fund uh, all these all these new signings without having to sell any of any of our sort of key first team players. So it'd be a case of whether whether they're willing to willing to back that up again. Uh, this time around, I I suspect they will, but it all I think they'll they'll be looking for they'll still be looking for value. I, I don't think we'll just be throwing money around willy nilly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and ordinarily, Glenn nineteenth at Christmas would be a bit of a disaster. But as mm. we were kind of alluding to, it feels like they are already on top of this. They're already perhaps a week ahead of where they could have been had they given Ralph the Liverpool game. So it it feels like the only way is up, and and it is a proper reset all round. Yeah, it does, and and the you know the the fact that we're not cut adrift or anything like that. That at the end of the day, we've got to look at our own performances. The league table looks after itself. Um, people get too obsessed with it. I feel, at, um, especially in the first half of the season, it's only it's only really relevant the last sort of um, ten games when it starts. It's like scoreboard pressure a little bit if you're in the in the bottom three. I don't think that's the case at the moment. Yeah, I I agree. We we've if we hadn't you know, pull the trigger already, we would be at the point we're at today thinking, is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be next week? How much of this four week break, five week break are we going to waste, you know, before we before we appoint someone else? So 
yeah, I, I definitely think it's uh, it's the, it's the right thing. And and um, yeah, as Nathan Jones has said himself, it gives him that period of time to uh, try and get some more of his ideas across. And what's encouraging for me is is, is the first thing. I know, I know the players aren't really going to say anything different, but the you know the f- the first noises from the players have been it's been encouraging, and because that's the that the worry at some clubs, not necessarily us, would be that if you'd taken a manager who'd never managed in the Premier League before, that the you know the big time Charlies wouldn't listen. But I, a I don't think we've got many of those or any of those, and um, you know and and b it does look like you know they they do seem quite happy and that that will have been music to Che Adams ears that Jones is saying that you can I get can him scoring him, goals I, yeah. I can make him a better striker now whether that turns out to be true or not it's it's a good thing to hear as a as a striker because you know strikers it's all about confidence so yeah i'm uh, i'm i'm quite happy with the way things have worked out from a timing point of view and uh, i don't think there's anything to uh, worry about too much just yet but if we lose three or four games in January, uh, in December, January, then uh, yeah. When you look at those first few fixtures back as well, obviously there's the cup game. Then is it, it's Brighton, I think it's Fulham, and then it's Forest, isn't it? And uh, yeah. and two of those at home. So that's where you, you, you want to be picking up those points, don't you? It couldn't be yeah. kinder to him, really. Well, it, it, it couldn't, it couldn't. Um, Added pressure I mean, because they're weak, because they're supposedly weaker yeah. teams and, yeah. and you, you're under pressure to win those games. The season we got relegated in 2005, when it was when Steve Wigley was in charge, we had a a run of six or seven home games against dodgy teams, and he basically we beat Portsmouth, and we we didn't win any of the others, and that was ultimately what killed us. That meant at the end of the season we were trying to beat Arsenal or trying to beat Man United to stay up, and and but it was that run of games, the home games against the teams that are going to be around us, that that killed us. So luckily, we've only really, I would say, thrown the Everton one so far. You know, we've lost away at teams we should have got something out of Palace, Villa, um, who's the other one, Wolves, Wolves. who are now rock bottom. So we haven't, in my opinion, wasted too many games. But this is what I mean, said last week about he has to hit the ground running and we have Mm -hmm. to pick up points in in those games that uh, you've just mentioned. So having built up that that little run of games then, Jacob, what does the next six weeks look like? Do you know, are they going away? Have they got a, a couple of friendlies booked in? Are they, um, they going to a week off and then reset? Yeah, so the initial plan was to go to Miami, but they didn't have any game schedule. They, I think they were trying to, but they didn't have any penciled in officially. And they were going to give the first two weeks of this break off to the players, to the club staff and stuff like that. The Miami um, trip from what? I heard um, on Friday, so it's probably it's probably changed by now. Was up in the air. Consensus was they're leaning against that. Obviously, with a new manager, with new ideas, what he wants as well. So they will go on a, a mini camp somewhere, um, and we'll have games. Uh, and it's, I think it's only a week off now, rather than two. So I think it's so important that Jones does get his message across nice and early. I think in the last four or five months, maybe I think the, the clarity's become a little bit diluted because of changes of formation. It wasn't much system. Many, you know, it wasn't one system they were changing a lot and that's because Ralph and the coaching staff were just trying to find some points and that's you know that's understandable but I think what Jones is going to try and do is just really embed a clear messaging you know get this young group of players to understand their roles in out of possession and I think he's a different manager who naturally carries different strengths and weaknesses to Harsen and Tour and um, I think he'll be that more personable I think if they do go away I think it'll give a better opportunity for him to uh, learn about his players to put an arm around their shoulders and for a guy like Shay Adams for example who's taking such a battering sometimes from fans from you know media uh, general I think having that guy 
that manager who just unprompted sometimes just gives him praise I think that's gonna be a real real boost to his confidence and hopefully that spreads throughout the team as well so I think they will go away and hopefully as we keep saying throughout this podcast it's gonna be a real real benefit for them There'll be lots of pictures on social media of the players looking happy and smiling yeah. during training, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> just just one, one final thing on the Shea Adams thing. He's gone from a manager who's basically wanted to sell him in the summer <laughs> and then decided to the best way to use him was to smash long balls up to him. And he criticised him all the time, you know, and going back, left him out of the um, FA Cup semi-final and all that sort of stuff. So he's gone from that manager to a new manager. He's basically said, he's our best striker. I'm going to make him a better striker. He's very important to me. So that's a massive difference right right from the start. Mm. Yeah, really good. A couple of more things before we finish. Dan's been in touch. He says, do you think the women's team is going to repeat Nigel Atkins' championship performance? They're certainly more entertaining to watch than the men's team at the moment. Rewarded with a load of international call-ups. Cheers for, for getting in touch, Dan. Um, obviously, Marianne Spacey-Kale picked up the Women's Championships Manager of the Month Award for October. And there were some goals as well today on, on international duty, I think you were saying, Steve. Uh, yeah, uh, Lucia Kendall got, got a couple, um, I think it was a day or two ago, uh, for the England under-19s. Uh, against Norway, so um, yeah, she's a key player, key player in that team by the looks of it. A couple of others, I think, were on the bench for the under twenty, was it twenty ones or twenty threes, possibly um, the other day. Uh, Kayla Rendell and Paige Peak uh, yeah. were were in the squad for that, but I don't think don't think they got any action in that game. It's nice to see Glenn another bit of silverware, albeit a manager of the month award for the for the women's team. They're going to need a bigger trophy cabinet with all the things they keep picking up. Yeah, what's what's the situation with with promotion? Is it one up on a playoff, or is it just one two up? up or just, just one up, up and that's so yeah. So it's so it's it's going Same to be difficult. Nonsense. Yeah, but why not? You know, why not? The the way they're playing at the moment, they 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 must fancy their chances to beat anybody, and they they seem to be. They seem to have a strong squad because there's, you know, international players on the bench at the moment who are who, who are who are not getting games. So Spacey Kyle has obviously, you know, found a way to win these games. Most of them have been tight and and fair play. Long long may it continue. There may be there may be some bumps in the road, and obviously you can't afford to have too many if you're just aiming for um you know basically being champions and that's all you've uh, all you've got to aim for. But I mean I'm sure the first um the first ambition for this season was to make sure that they could handle the league that they're in and not not be near the bottom. Well, they've already answered that. It took so, them a couple uh, of games, didn't it, to get going? Yeah. But once they so, once they adjusted, it's it's been good so far. They're obviously very very at home in this division now, and the players will be getting more and more confident that they can um, they can do well in this league. So, uh, you know, if momentum in football is a huge thing. When the when the men's team got promoted at the championship, it was it was all about the momentum. You know, once we got once we got going. The, you know, top two all season. So, so uh, yeah, why not? Fair Some good attendances as well. A lot of people taking in the football, which is good. Jacob, there's one other story this week, just with your Financial Times hat on, about the additional <laughs> borrowing against the club. There was a lot of um, misinformation, it seemed to me, that was uh, was flying around about this. I know you were able to kind of confirm this and and sum it up rather eloquently in in, in just one tweet, I think, about what's what's going on with this and and the money from America. 
you might have to remind me what I tweeted because it's been, there's been so many things going on this week. Um, have, you had, have you had a busy week? <laughs> just a bit. No, but um, yeah, I think the story alone and yeah, yeah, refinancing, wasn't it? Yeah, the, it, the story um, did obviously carry some truth in terms of the 80 million, but it was the way it was uh, written and portrayed, it was slightly different. They just the simple fact is that Slamson are just trying to refinance on, refinance on a lower interest rate. It's nothing to worry about. They're not taking out any any loans or anything that's going to put the, the financial safety of the club at risk so um yeah that just needed clearing up and uh yeah i tried to fit it into as many 140 characters or whatever it is on twitter <laughs> uh it, it, i guess it's like any of us would do steve if we had a massive loan um with a with a 10 percent interest rate you'd be shopping around a bit oh definitely yeah i mean the, i mean it's it's pretty mad that we even we that we even ended up signing that agreement because it's that seems way above sort of any sort of commercial rate that you would that you would ever get and i mean the premier league football club seems would seem to me with the the premier league broadcast money and the parachute payments if you go down would seem to be just an absolute dead cert that you'd get your money back so for them to be charging those sort of interest rates and for us to agree to it was um was pretty silly i think really but yeah i should i would assume that the uh the new deal is on much preferential rate so yeah should should save us save us a fair um fair few million in the over the next decade or so i suppose you don't need martin lewis on the podcast to work that out do you okay <laughs> <No>. uh <laughs> just on the um predictions as well one of us got the score right yesterday do we know who that is the guy that's smiling bottom oh, right corner like a Cheshire cat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that means going into the uh, the World Cup break, producer Alex is still top of the league, 14 points. Then it's Glenn and Alfie tied on 13. Um, somehow I've got eight. Um, and then Ben's on six, Steve's on six, and Jacob's bringing out the rear on five. Oh, right, I'm going to change from, from the after World Cup break. I'm going to stop predicting Slampton to win because I think I've predicted Slampton <laughs> to win in every game but one. So I'm actually going to do it calculated this time. So, it's because um, you're new yeah. to this. <laughs> You're like a, you're like a crap we, Mark Lawrence. We, we, haven't, we haven't dragged you down to the cynical level of the rest of us yet. And on the um, the fantasy Premier League as well, which we've been doing, um, Charlie Hawkins looks like going to be top for Christmas. Ilya Markov is going to be second and Tom McCann is going to be third. It's probably the less said about us for the better in terms of the, uh, the FPL at the moment. But uh, let's just say there's all to play for when we come back. Um, after the break um, that's pretty much it for this week don't forget you can follow Total Saints podcast on Facebook and on Twitter it's at Total Saints pod uh, on the website as well totalsaints.co.uk there's a link on there to our online shop which is the Total Saints icons and you can drop us an email there if you like during the week or maybe over the next six weeks because it'd be great to hear from you um, we're also on Patreon where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast we've got four tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds a month and each comes with their own perks including weekly shout outs for those patrons in our francis benali or our Mick Shannon tier. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Adkins, Matt Hall, who are in our Francis Bernali tier, and also Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Um, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Steve. Thanks to Jacob for your time. Um, thank you for listening. Um, no pod next week, but we are planning on doing one after the England game, so we can just review um, the World Cup and how that's going and any Saints news that, uh, that may have dropped or broken. If I don't see you before, have a great Christmas. And... Uh, enjoy the World Cup and uh, yeah look out for the announcements and uh, some extra special pods coming soon Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home The same goes for McDonald's 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.